0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. Um, Today is January 24th, 2024. This is the day after the Republican primary in New Hampshire. Trump won by about 11 points last night. Uh, The votes are still being counted. And I thought I would talk this week about What sort of was the election last night about? What were, I think, some of the main takeaways from it? Last week, I was talking about bullying grandma syndrome. I was talking about the uh, fact that if you look at the dynamics within the Republican electorate, that basically a certain kind of voter had won. It was older, less educated, more into conspiracy theories, and even things that are not so much conspiracy theories like Hunter Biden, but like getting into them in a way that's to the, to the detriment of sort of everything else, but then also focused on sort of this narrative of right-wing victimhood. And Trump just was sort of – is a personification of that. And the other Republicans tend to give in to give in to people the strongest the, the 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 parties that are basically the strongest and most animated within the Republican base. And this is because most conservatives at this point, or most Republican primary voters, most people involved in right wing media, a lot of conservative intellectuals are just very, very anti-leftist, and they're trying not to rock the boat within their coalition. While the Trump supporter, the, the people who go to twenty thirty rallies, they are they are dedicated. They don't care about actually conservatism all that much. They care about they don't care about the Republican Party all that much. So a huge portion of them, when you poll them, say that they're there for Trump. They're not necessarily there for the Republican Party or any kind of ideological vision. And so we saw more of that there was nothing that surprising in the election last night so Trump won by 11 points about uh, I think the votes are still being counted but it's going to it's going to end up around there and when you looked at the betting markets I looked at Polymarket it had Trump with a 58% chance of winning by less than 15 points. So it was like 50-50, he'd win by less than 15, and 50% chance he'd win more than 15, and he won by slightly less than 15. It's So What's what can we take away from this election? It, it's sort of It's sort of more of the same, but I think it's sort of Iowa on steroids, because this time it was Trump versus Haley, rather than... The, and it was a more moderate state, and it was an open primary and so the numbers the differences are absolutely massive. so about, according to NBC exit polls, those with college degrees, they were 56 percent haley, 42 percent trump, so there was four, it was a plus 14 haley For those with no college degree it's 67 percent trump, thirty one percent haley so 30 plus 36 Trump. So you're looking at a – you're looking at a 30 – you're looking at a 50-point gap. You imagine uh, the Hispanic-white gap in elections. It's, it's usually not that large. So you'll see Hispanics maybe will vote – a typical election maybe 65, 35 for the Democrat. And then white people will maybe be plus five for the Republican. And so you know, that's a 35 that's a percent difference. That's, those are pretty typical numbers. Fifty would be a huge racial gap between whites and Hispanics. Blacks and blacks and whites are close are more than a fifty point gap. But this is this is massive by any measure. And I think what's interesting about this this uh, election, this primary, and compared to what I talked about last week, is we talked about dynamics within the Republican Party, but there is also a dynamic with how the republican party and the conservative movement faces the rest of the country. And so if so if last week was about was about the bullying grandma, this week is about the bullying grandma and what she actually does to the party, the people who don't want to be bullied by grandma, who are just not so driven crazy by trans and anti-white racism that they feel the necessity that they feel the necessity to put up with it, a lot of people just leave. And so this 50-point gap in Haley's support versus Trump support. I was watching the I was watching the uh, the coverage during the day. And there were some signs, there were some signs, and there were some signs of hope for Haley supporters. Haley supporters were getting a little bit excited. There was large turnout, and people thought that this might be some kind of sign that. The masses were coming out against Trump, Republican voters, or at least enough Democrats and independents had come to the party in order to uh, come into the election, in order to change the result. And also, it was very interesting, the the interviews throughout the day. There were a lot of Haley uh, supporters who were interviewed, and they were compelling. I mean, they got a lot of attention on X or Twitter, and... It's hard to know how what to make of this. The I don't try to read the tea leaves on election day. I just go to betting markets, and I went to Poly Market on that day, and it always said that Trump had a ninety-seven percent chance of winning the New Hampshire primary. So it it wasn't enough to move the markets, but it moved some people who were hoping for a Haley victory to get excited, and so. What was this – and so there's something in politics called – and I think just the contrast between these people and Trump supporters and what we've seen from Trump supporters is covered in the press is I think the most striking thing rather than any ideological difference between Trump and Haley. So in politics, there's something called the median voter theorem. It's one of the most basic concepts in political science. The idea is that basically candidates move to the center – because they want to maximize their chances of winning elections. So you figure there's a distribution of ideological orientation among the public. And if you're on the right, the thing you're going to do is move to the center because you're not going to lose the people on your right, but you'll get more voters. That's where the voters are. And so what this predicts is that, in general, the parties are going to run moderate candidates, or the candidates that they... That they nominate are going to end up tracking to the middle. Now, this doesn't always happen because there's there's people have ideological commitments first of all, and then also the there's activists within a base who. Try to who try to gain commitments from politicians or try to find the ones who share their, their beliefs. It is, but the median voter theorem is a good sort of heuristic guide to think about politics. The way I think about it is that politicians might not always, and they usually don't, change their position to go towards the center. But it's definitely, what they definitely do Is it determines what they talk about. So, for example, Democrats are winning on the issue of abortion, and that hasn't caused Republicans to necessarily become pro choice or even to moderate all that much in many cases. What it has motivated them to do is not to talk about abortion, to try to avoid the topic to the greatest extent possible, especially national politicians. And what Democrats do is, of course, people who have crunched the numbers have shown this, they're talking about abortion in their ads more than any other topic. So the median voter theorem is why Democrats only want to talk about abortion, and Republicans don't at all. You'll see the same thing with like racial preferences. Democrats don't necessarily – Oppose they, they of course, support racial preferences. Um, Maybe that's not what they tell themselves. They tell themselves they support DEI or whatever, but it's 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 basically we know in reality it's racial preferences, and they don't. But they don't talk about it that much. It's Republicans who are hammering home on DEI and critical race theory and these other things. And there's a lot of data showing that you know this might be a uh, a reason to be skeptical of the median voter theorem. Because if people could just talk about whatever they want, it's really a more a question of emphasis. And Republicans are going to emphasize the emphasize the issues that the people uh, like on their side, and Democrats are going to emphasize the issues that on their side that people like. And you know, you could just have everyone is presenting. It's just uh, there, there's a battle over which narrative to put it the to put it front and center. But there's a lot of data showing that the median that more moderate politicians do do a better job in elections. And that's taken as evidence that there's something to the median voter theorem, and I think that there unquestionably is. The, But I think that there's a confounder in this data, in the sense that politicians are not randomly distributed, okay, you're going to be an extremist, and you're going to be a moderate Democrat or Republican. The people's views on issues tend to be correlated with their personalities. So people who have extremist views tend to have stranger personalities. So think of your typical libertarian, or think about your typical socialist. Uh, Ron Paul was an ideological extremist, also a unique personality. He had had his charms. Uh, Ron Paul is still around, I think, doing something with the Ron, Ron Paul Institute. But he is, uh, but he's, I think, typical of the – to demonstrate the point that ex- extremist views and extremist politics often go together. And so what you, what you actually want in a party is you, you want to – you want a, somebody who's ideologically where you are aligned with you, but also who comes across as a normal people or a normal person. You just want a guy. You just, the ideal person is a bit is a white man, forty five years old, in a suit with a blonde wife and you know three four cute kids. Gavin Newsom, basically, <laughs> basically, this is this is what you want. Who is normal? Who can who. Uh, dated a lot of women, just sort of an, not because that necessarily helps you with voters, but it, but it's because it's an indication. It's just sort of a, a signal. Like Bill Clinton was a great politician, dated a lot of women, or dated quote unquote, <laughs> quote unquote, had affairs. And, uh, Gavin Newsom, as he's known for, at least in his past, uh, dated Kimberly Guilfoyle and so forth. Um anyways forget it, forget it, forget that stuff about dating it's just, it's just an instruction you get you get the point the point is you want someone who's got just normal guy charisma right and when i was watching the haley voter uh the other day i just really saw a, a hunger for normalcy and i think that hunger for normalcy is closer to where you have reached the end of the free recording for this episode of clown car to listen to the rest of the episode please consider becoming a paid subscriber